Here's amazing podcast. I'm your host, James Santana. As always, I'm joined by my illustrious sidekick, Hunter Van Lira. Yo, yo. We're brought to you by Andrew's Amazing Comics down in the state of New York. Now let's start the show for some news. Hunter, hit me with that. I cannot. I'll do the first news. <laughs> um, DC just announced two new digital first series, which are Batman 78 and Batman 89, continuing from their respective movies. Um, what's really cool is um, they did drop the first character design. They did. They dropped the first covers for Batman 78. Uh, sorry, Batman, yeah, 78 and um, Batman, Batman 89. 89. Yeah, you so, said yeah, Batman, Batman 78. Batman 89, Superman 78. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, they dropped the first covers of both of them, and they dropped the character design of Bruce Wayne for Batman 89. Ooh, nice. It looked like he... I just, yeah, yeah. I just saw it, like, maybe 10 minutes ago. That's awesome. Um, so what's cool about it, as we know, I, I, from what I've read so far, um, with Batman 89, it is a continuation from Batman Returns, Whatever the one that had uh, Jack Nixon as Joker, which I think is Returns, right? Um, yes, yes. I think the first one was um, Catwoman, and the first one was Catwoman and Penguin. Yeah, and then Batman Returns, and then Batman Forever was the Val Kilmer one. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So what mm-hmm. they did was, so what the comics going to be doing is going to um, continue on from the sequel from Batman Returns going forward. Um, it will ignore um, anything that came out with uh, Joe, Joe Schumacher. Um, mm. it, they did say that we're going to see more of um, Nicholson's Joker. We're going to see uh, Billy D. Williams' Two Face as a character. That's going to be awesome. Um, and they are they are going to introduce Robin. Um, that was telling you what we're at the job today. Um, the original Robin that they wanted to cast uh, with Burton, which this is based off of. Um, was uh, like what I tell you. There's one oh, of the Wayne's Wayne. brothers. Yeah, yeah David Wayne's. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it does. I mean, back then it would have been different, of course. And we talked about it because of how famous he was back then. Oh yeah, um, no, he was huge back then. Yeah, but uh, modeling him in this would be fine. Um, mm. I can't. I also can't wait for them to, to announce that. So people be like, "Oh, you're just making him black just because it's the times." <laughs> like, no. I was gonna say like, was like idea. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't care that he's black. I care that he's Damon Wayans. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Um, I can't wait for people to be like, to react. I'm like, no, that's always what Tim Burton wants to do. He always mm. wanted Damon Wayans to be Robin. Well, look at Two-Face. He was black, Billy D. Williams. Yeah, it's so. Billy Williams. Yeah, who cares? Was he was popular at the time. Five. Exactly. It's going to be Lando. like Colt 45s. Mm-hmm. He's a Lando Calrissian. <laughs> Um, and then Superman's, uh, Superman 70, uh, yeah, Superman 79, uh, takes place between, um, move, uh, uh, one and two for That's gonna Superman be cool. movies. Mm-hmm. The original Superman movies. Um, so like the I said, Star Wars both, ones. Exactly. Uh, they are canon to themselves, um, which is really cool. Uh, I don't know any word on whether they're, whether they will expand the canon. Clearly we know with the Robin one, they expand, uh, uh, with the Batman one, they expand the canon from the movie. Um, but like, um, it's similar. A lot of people are comparing this to Batman sixty six, where or even the Smallville comics. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Uh, where it's continuation of of the canon, and they add stuff to the canon that wasn't in the in the the original property. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why a lot of people are comparing this to Batman uh, Batman sixty six, because uh, in Batman sixty six we got to see Nightwing. You know, we got to see the Legion of Superheroes. We got to mm-hmm. see uh, back uh, well, Batgirls in it, um, stuff like that. Yeah, that's cool. I'm excited to see uh, the Batman 89 stuff. I really liked, you know, I don't, I don't say I really liked the movie, 
but I'm a fan of Michael Keaton, so I like the movie to a point. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's going to be that. It's going to be that. It's going to be cool to see that. Uh, you want to do the next bit? Pick whatever the next one. Um, yeah, sure. I'll talk about Shang Chi just because I uh, I've been reading the the recent book and I kind of like it. So there yeah. a new Shang Chi a Shang Chi series has been announced and it continues shortly where they left off from the one shot where Shang Chi is trying to turn the Five Weapons Society into heroes, which actually continues from the mini series that just came out. Um, yes. I think that one was just called Shang-Chi, and then, was that Legends of Shang-Chi, or is that the new one? The, the one shot was called Legend of Shang-Chi, and then this okay. new one, um, this new one is called Shang-Chi, but um, it's underscored as Shang-Chi versus the Marvel Universe, because um, hmm. it's going to, and which is really weird, because um, what it should have just been, it should have just been, this should have been just one continuous series. Clearly, yeah, but you can't really um, like announce a you know an ongoing series for Shang Chi because people are gonna go eh. Like if they did like the first five issues were, um, the setup for the society, and then issue six to close out the chapter was the beginning of the legends, and then the next five were the next volume. I think it would fit itself in quite nicely. Yeah, of course. But what they did was um, but really what they did um was split up. <laughs> Sorry, oh, they split up because um of the movie. That's why. Yeah, they should. Yeah. I mean, honestly, they should just announce it as a twelve issue miniseries. It would have started in January or whenever it started last year, and then ran through the whole year. Exactly. Because then you can have one more issue because you have the first five, the one shot, and then the second five. So to finish off the trade, you'll have an extra one shot, which they'll probably do at some point. So why not just do a twelve issue miniseries in the beginning? Exactly. And I think it's still the same creative team. It's Alyssa Wong and yeah, oh, I don't forget. Seems- I don't remember the artist, but I believe it's Alyssa Wong as the writer still. Whatever. I'm excited for the Shang-Chi movie. I think it's going to be really good. And I'm also excited for the new book, because I'm, I'm a fan of Shang-Chi. I mean, he's basically just Bruce Lee, but he's Marvel, so I'm in. Yeah. All right, James, you want to hit us up with the next bit of news? Do you want to talk about Avengers or Star Wars? I'll be Star Wars, because, you know. Um, so what's cool about the Star Wars one is, is teased, the teaser dropped on Monday night, and uh, finally got announced uh, officially today, Tuesday, while we're recording. Um, it is called Star Wars... Uh, or the Bounty Hunters. Uh, mm-hmm. the Bounty, Bounty Hunters takes place. Uh, it's going to be a what's it called? Um, it's an event. A miniseries by itself. Yeah, it's an event. Uh, but it's actually going to be a core book called War of the Bounty Hunters. Then it will spin out into the other current Star Wars titles. Um, Bounty Hunters, uh, Star Wars Bounty Hunters, duh, which makes sense. Um, Doctor Aphra, Vader, and the Star Wars book. It takes place between when Boba captured uh, Han Solo and it was taking him to jail. Yeah, because uh, the current Star Wars books take place in between episodes five and six, which is yeah. right after we know at the end of uh, Empire, Han Solo is taking to Jabba's palace by Boba Fett, which we see in Return exactly. of the Jedi. So, yeah, so unfortunately, we know how this event is going to end, regardless of how good it's going to be, because we know when we watch episode oh, six yeah. that Boba Fett wins. I mean, that's what's funny about it is, uh, and it, it takes and this place in between, any of but it's just like exactly. any of the Star Wars books we know, any of them, <laughs> and that's the whole thing. Like, it, it's like you can't do so something so astronomically crazy where it's like you really can't put your heroes in danger because it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't yeah, matter. Like, the know what happens. Like, movies mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, like, like maybe at some point. Uh, Boba Fett might lose Han Solo because Bosk picks him up, or Dengar right. gets him. But by the end of it. Boba Fett's going to win. He's going to pick him up, and he's going to bring him to Jabba's palace. Same with Luke Skywalker. Like, we know he gets his green lightsaber. We know he doesn't die. Like, so no matter how many times you put him in peril, 
he's going to show up at the end because he's in the next movie. And obviously, now that we've seen, besides the sequel trilogy, he he, sh- he shows up in Mandalorian. We know if they do books that take place after six, that he still survives until the Mandalorian timeline happens. So, oh, absolutely. So it's like, uh, <laughs> sometimes it's like over. It's but, still like, super whatever. cool, I, I, and I'm excited to read it because I like Charles Soule, yeah, and the Star Wars course. books right now are really good. I just yeah. it sucks that unfortunately I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, Hunter, why have you the last bit of news? Yeah, so this actually dropped today. Um, <laughs> the Avengers game, they're still kicking, guys. Don't worry, it's still alive. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> they decided to finally do their deep dive for their war table on Hawkeye and the Future Imperfect event. Uh, Hawkeye and the Future Imperfect storyline take place uh, uh, comes out March 18th. And Hawkeye's story begins uh, brings us face-to-face with a possible future where all hope is lost. It's basically um, it's the Future Imperfect version of the Marvel Avengers game. So we yes. get to see Maestro. Uh, this canonically takes place after Kate Bishop's story that came out uh, in November. So I'm excited yeah. to see where they're going to go. I haven't played the game since I beat the Kate stuff, and I got Kate to max level. But I am a fan of the game, yeah. and I hope that – and I, I'm going to come back every time there's a new character and a new story update. So I'm going to play this. I'm going right. to play the Spider-Man and Black Panther stuff. It just sucks that this game yeah. wasn't viable enough to keep everybody playing for the longest time. And and that has more to do with the the fact that and and, and I'll go I'll get to I'll get to this DLC in a second. Mm-hmm. But this has more to do with the fact that the, the game is just meh. It's just okay. Yeah, um, it's not a bad game if you're a big fan. No. Like the story, the story is actually really really good. Like yeah, I, my buddy, uh, my buddy doesn't really like the game that much, but he said he's he's like the story is actually really good. My buddy Alex, who does the hashtag yeah. Farthest Galaxy podcast with me, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> he uh he said he's like he's like the gameplay is meh. He's like, and and the characters are meh, like the the limited roster for multiplayer. But he's like, the story's actually really right. good, and I was intrigued to see what happened because I didn't know about Kamala Khan or Modok or all these characters, and so that's cool. It has its own story. It just sucks that it got bogged down by repetitive gameplay and like meh graphics on some of the stuff because they were trying to rush it for PS4 uh, for PS5, but then they said, Bog, oh wait, yeah. no, we got to release it for the PlayStation 4, and this PlayStation 5 version still isn't out yet. So yeah, and we're still waiting for fucking Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're waiting for like other characters. So, uh, and I'll, so that will take me to the DLC. And the DLC for those that watched it, um, you get to see it's and as, as you already pointed out that this is a uh, their version of Future Imperfect, mm-hmm. which like it's a mix between like Old Man Logan and Future Imperfect. Yeah. We see Maestro, but then you see Old Man Hawkeye from uh, the book, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah, so it'd be cool to see again. It's something cool to look forward to. I think uh, what they need to do though is. Um, they need something else to jazz up the game, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't think this was the best uh, DLC to, to release. I mean, something they were like already Spider-Man planning DLC. this one, which is the problem. Of course, they were already planning. Of course. The Spider-Man one is exclusive to PlayStation Four slash Five. Right. So you know, even if the Spider-Man DLC does spice up the incentive, it's not on Xbox yeah. or PC. So sucks, suck. Right. I guess. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, no, but I figured we could talk so, about this because we talked about the other DLC yeah. stuff. And I'm excited to see it. I like I, said, I like the game, and Hawkeye looks interesting. I like Kate Bishop a little bit more than Clint himself, but I'm excited to play. Plus, I'm excited for the Hawkeye TV show, so double hype. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I like it a lot. Um, I like the idea. Again, I like the idea of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the problem, like I said, I think the biggest problem uh, of this is that there is the DLC 
is for a character that you already just had DLC for, pretty much. Technically, yes. You know what I mean? It was revealed that Hawkeye also uses a sword, and I was like, Kate Bishop uses a sword, man. Now they're just the same character, but one's a girl. Exactly. So, Uh, so it's like... It's gonna be interesting to see. That's my whole thing. Yeah. You know, we'll see. Like I said, I'll see, I'll definitely check out all, and just like you said, check out the DLCs that come out, you know. I'm not gonna... Still down for it, but yeah, I'll take a look, see what's up. You know, I'm excited. I do like to see. I am always excited to see um, uh, storylines adapted for video games a lot. Mm. Um, to see how they do as an ad- adaptation, but we'll see from there. You know, because sometimes they can blow. <laughs> uh, let's move so, on to our final topic. bit of news slash oh, yeah. topic. I don't know oh. if we actually announced uh, when this came. This bit of news dropped. I don't know if yes, it was in between episodes or something, but we'll talk about it again no, briefly so, and then move into our main topic. Yeah, so what they did, uh, they announced the other day, and we talked about this when they announced the Dark Fandom. That's what it was. We talked about this when they announced the Dark Fandom. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, they uh, actually they, released, like, an image recently. Did we talk about yes. that? Yes. Uh, no, no. So okay, we cool. did when it first came out. Yeah, um, yeah, back in When it first came out. They, yeah. Um, and they ended up getting delayed. So what they did... Uh, DC has announced um, uh, Milestone Returns, uh, Infinite Frontier version, uh, which from the original version, it was supposed to be a relaunch of the Milestone universe um, back when they announced their fandom. But apparently now they're adding more to this digital first um, one shot with uh, a couple of new creators added uh, to fluff up some of the stories that they have in there. Uh, One being a static story, one being an icon and rocket story. Uh, one being and the other one being hardware, and now they're adding kind of like a, a refresher story talking about the world of Earth M, uh, as they're calling it. Mm, um, Earth Milestone. <laughs> yeah, um, they're going to explain a little bit more about about the Big Bang, uh, which is the cause of the metahumans that exist on that on that Earth, uh, and stuff like that. Um, in this Infinite Frontier edition, um, and then they also announced that that will actually go to print now. Um, it was a digital only originally. Mm. Uh, which was stupid, uh, and then now they're making it digital first. Uh, digital first. Mm. So actually, you'll receive this book in print, which is really good. Um, but with that announcement, they also said that the static will be an, uh, a digital first, and then go right into the OGN. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. We knew about that. Yeah, and the other thing with I think the Icon of Rocket is going to be a digital first, and then go to an OGN. So. Um, they're putting it out, so I'm glad they are putting it into prints <laughs> instead of what they said they were going to do and not print it at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm glad it's finally coming out. And Infinite Frontiers is definitely the time to do it. Besides the the essential relaunch, it's their whole thing with, you know, we can do anything we want with any multiverse and universe now because we brought it back and blah, blah, blah. So it's going to be exciting yeah, to see much. all the differences they can actually do. Yeah. I, I'm excited. Um, the only thing I don't like yeah, you're actually tired. Um, the one thing I don't like about this, and I said this during fandom, is that they're they're, they're losing an opportunity. Um, what do you mean? So with them losing an opportunity, what I mean is um, them losing they're losing an opportunity by not having them interact with the main DC universe. As um, of right now, as, well, what I mean is that they're not from Earth Zero. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like Static like, Shock might be the only exception. Because he was technically part of New 52, which is canon, so... Yes. 
And, but I don't know how long that's going to last now because mm-hmm. of what is going on with this book. Um, so that's the one thing I kind of I, I, I remember it's funny because I, I was looking back at my books the other day and I saw like the what icon and them all joined the uh, actual DCU. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool because the, the the Superman has a story called the Third Kryptonian, and like oh who could this Third Kryptonian be? And you saw like Icon and like these other characters, and I'm like oh that's that really cool. Yeah, bring the Kryptonian in, right? And he but, but like but he's not but he's not Kryptonian. He's something else. I forgot what yeah. exactly his race was. Um, but yeah, so it was cool to see him part of that storyline. Um, it was cool when they did it. Um, they got uh, it. Just it, it's just a missed opportunity to me. That's all it is. Like you can do this where like it's not like you can make them like a, part of like a Justice League International. It's not like he. What's cool about Icon is Justice that League Chicago. A, oh God, <laughs> Justice League Detroit. Detroit. I was just <laughs> same. Um, brain. <laughs> I know. Like I love how you both go like that. Um, but what's so crazy about uh, about it is that they. They could have done something because what's so cool about uh, Icon is that he is every he's bat he's Batman's uh, person uh, he's Batman's personality with Superman's abilities. He is like a rich um, uh, business owner, um, but also has all the abilities of Superman. Um, and it would be cool to see that dichotomy going. Well, that's crazy. This is like Batman. It's like I'm fighting against Bruce, but it's but he's. Me, he's as strong you know, as me, yeah. You know, it would be cool to see that, but like I said, that's like the missed opportunity we're getting. We're missing the opportunity with Static Gang to interact with other many humans that are his age. That are oh, you villains. mean the Teen so, Titans or uh, Young I'm, Justice? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would absolutely um, love he, to see Virgil show up in either Teen Titans if they're going to make him young, or Young Justice like he did in the TV show, right? That two episodes um, or whatever. I know in. I, you know what, I, I might as well get into the topic this week because I'm going to end up talking about Stack anyway. Mm-hmm. Alright, so guys, uh, Black History Month, uh, we decided this month, uh, this year we're going to focus on one sole character, uh, what it allows us to do a deep dive into him a little bit more, uh, and get, it allows us to give, uh, give you guys our perspective on this character, uh, and some of the cool stuff they've done over the years. Uh, and clearly if you haven't, if you've been paying attention to this episode, um, we are talking about Static. Um, Static had, Static Shock, Static, not Static Shock, Static was created in 1993, uh, by Dwayne McDuffie, and Chris, and co-created by Christopher Priest, uh, for, uh, Milestone Entertainment, which was, uh, a, um, comic book company created, uh, written and drawn by, uh, uh, POC artists and writers, um, clearly Christopher Priest isn't. It's like Image, but not for uh, white people in Jim Lee. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> not to no, be that I mean, guy but like, like <laughs> it's what it was but true <laughs> um what was cool about uh and we'll do a whole history of milestone and what's why it's so important and everything in in, yeah. in, in Tom's culture um at a later date but what's cool about static is static was their version of spider-man essentially um yeah pretty much so i'll bring us to do some of the publication history of static and we'll go from there cool. um uh, Sack was a key character in Marvel Comic and independently owned, which I already talked about how it was independently owned. Uh, he was originally developed from Marvel Comics. Sack would have been, uh, would have become a main table of, uh, of the Milestone line instead. Yeah, so the, uh, Dwayne McElfie originally created Static to pitch to Marvel Comics. Ooh, that would have been interesting. Um, but then we kind of got Alpha later on in the timeline. 
Exactly. Um, like but he got stuck. Oh my god, no. He is. Um, well, the main reason um, he was turned down was because um, he was too similar to Spider-Man. Yeah, they already kid, had powers, someone. flies around, jokey. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, think about it this way. So this was created, Sack was created in 1993, I said? Yeah, 1993. I think so, yeah. Uh, so let's say he was, a, he was pitched to them around... Probably 91. Let's say they... 90, 90, 91. Yeah. Um, so if you look at Spider-Man at the time, Spider-Man's already adult in the books. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think why Marvel didn't accept him is just there's no point of retreading the same kind of story. Uh, story. Funny enough, they'll do this years later with Miles. You know? <laughs> yeah. Quite literally. <laughs> uh, so Miles um, was... In the book, his name is Virgil Hawkins, um, who was actually named after Virgil D. Hawkins. Uh, who was actually, this is a back, actually a uh, big case of black history. Um, he was a denied u- entry into the University, University of Florida law school due to his race in 1949. So that's why they wanted him to be, um, they took that name as a character, uh, Virgil's name uh, in the book. That's cool. um, like I said, he was co-created by Christopher Priest, who also helped co-create the Bible uh, of the Mouse Universe with Terry McDuffie. Um, and the, he got the name Static from a James Brown song. Nice. Yeah, which was called Static. Uh, Static was 15 when he became, uh, Virgil Static, uh, became Static when he was 15 years old. Um, in the book, it was, um, due to the thing called Big Bang, which were a bunch of gangs were getting together for a fight where the, uh, police released a, um, experimental tear gas into the crowd. Um, it ignited with a, another substance. And it caused the people in the surrounding areas to gain powers. Um, Sorry for that long pause. So, I just didn't know how to react to that. Cool? Like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know if that. That's what I was saying. I didn't know. That's why I was waiting for a reaction. I'm like, there's no reaction from you for that. <laughs> um, but also, that's the same um, origin we got to see the costume. Yeah, basically. I, th- I think with a um, little bit less of the, um, like, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, in the, the comics, cartoons. It's a little bit more kitty. Yeah, uh, uh, kind of. They did adapt certain things, which I thought was cool. I'll get to those when we talk about the show. Yo, they named um, drop Pikachu, which is crazy. I know. Well, it was nineteen nineties. <laughs> I know. I mean, they did that too. Um, but was, uh, they all they did was it wasn't as big of a in the books. It was a gang war. Um, in the show, it wasn't. It was just one gang fighting like other. Or, like it was uh, breaking. I think it was breaking into a place. So, uh, the sporting cast that Virgil had in the book uh, was Virgil's father, uh, Robert, who works at Paris Island Hospital, his mother, Jean, his sister, and his sister, Sharon. Uh, Virgil attends uh, Ernest Hemingway High School in Dakota with his friends, uh, uh, I was miss- I butchered this, uh, Fedra Gordon, Richie Rick Stone, hey, Larry Richie. Wade, Chuck, yep, Chuck Felix, and Daisy Watkins um, in the skies of... Um, in disguise, uh, uh, in disguise as a gadget, uh, stat- gadget. Uh, static Virgil eventually res- rescues Rick Stone from danger. Rich, um, not unlike Spider-Man, the character has, uh, it's pretty much Black Spider-Man. If you want, it's not Miles. So, um, because he's a teenage <laughs> character, he has um, a lot of wit- uh, a lot of his conversations in the book uh, were, wit- were, were banter related, just very similar to Spider-Man when he would fight. Um. 
So in the what's so cool about in the book himself, he was actually um, really a geek in the book. Also, uh, mm-hmm. he's a comic fan, a video game fan. Um, when they could do stuff, they would add real world um, like fandoms into the book when they could. Um, in 2001, the miniseries Static Shock Rebirth of Cool. Uh, even shows him that he was in the in that's the where the Pokemon thing comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, so later on, uh, and this is I'm gonna skip around a little bit because we're getting to like bef- right before um the merger between DC and uh, Milestone, we just got we uh, added back. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a Static Shock issue called uh, Static Shock Special, which was um kind of like a a sequel to it was a sequel to what you call it um the original sack shock show uh series uh comic book um which flash forward them time so when he was uh an adult um the what was cool about the book is that the book dealt with more mature content um which was like let's see there was of course besides the gang war it's uh drug use it was about homophobia um richie in the book is gay I think he's gay in the TV show. It's so they heavily hinted. Yeah. Yeah, they apply, but they ever talk about it in the show. But yeah, yeah Richie because it was the, for kids, and they were like, you can't turn the kids gay. I know. It was, so, it dealt with, like, Richie being gay. Um, they, deem, they'll do, they deal with teen sex. Um, uh, there's a cover that came out that they, uh, that DC censored. So, Milestone ended up being, becoming a DC subsidiary at one point. That's mm-hmm. how, that's who produced their books for them. Um, and what they did was there's a cover cover of Virgil and his girlfriend on a couch, but you can see a like a condom uh, a condom pack on the floor. And DC <laughs> lost their minds; they refused to print the cover. It's a very DC um, move. Yeah, um, but like I said, they dealt with it was very much like a what was cool about the Static Shock comic book. Sorry, yeah, the the, the Static it was called Static Shock. It was mm-hmm. called Static uh, Static book. Um, was it was like a teenage um, either drama or. Uh, it's like a CW show, but yeah, before CW shows were big and popular, mm-hmm. um, because it was cool to see a teenage superhero deal with all the stuff a regular teenager would deal with, besides the over the top nonsense of being a teenage superhero. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what was so cool about the book. Um, the book later becomes Static Shock. Uh, once DC uh, fully integrates those characters into the DC universe. Uh, especially we see that post Flashpoint, um, where Static they, instead of uh, instead of Decoder being a thing, Static the Static series takes place in New York City. Um, we're very much of uh, the similar supporting cast, minus some of them, um, and some of his villains transferred over. Mm. Um, uh, after that, uh, that's pretty much it for Static for a little bit. Uh, he joins the Teen Titans uh, briefly in between. Uh, the end of Milestone and the start of New uh, start of New Fifty Two and Rebirth, um, where he ends up coming like a side and they promote him more like a sidekick to um, Black Lightning, uh, yeah. uh, because he's the only other black character that has lightning powers, I guess. Um, <laughs> that's how it works. Uh, it does. Um, so you have that, and that's pretty much it for comics. And we haven't seen him since then until um, New Fifty Two, obviously, where he had like his. Until, oh, I think it was like eight to yeah. eleven issues or something. Yes, and again, that goes back to the they moved him to New York. They made him a super tech geek, uh, yeah. stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's very different than it, it was. It's not different. They comb- they pretty much combined uh, lots of elements from the cartoon, mm-hmm. and um, 
and made that the book really more. Uh, yeah, instead of kids are familiar with the, this. Yeah, it's, and they made him more techie than they did an actual like just a nerd that doesn't know tech. He just they basically dude. combined uh-huh. him and Richie together. Yes, yeah, pretty much. Um, so that's really it for Static as a comic book character. Um, some of the big, like I said, some of the big uh, points that they did bring up, like I said, is the um, actual drama-driven element of the of the of, of the original Static comic from Milestone. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't get to see, we see more now play out in comics, yeah. Um, which is really sad because it, it's funny looking back at this, going, "Oh, this was ahead of its time." Oh, for sure. Even though the TV show was ahead of its time, yeah. The TV um, show talked yeah, a lot about know, race and that kind of stuff. That a lot of the TV yeah. shows around Cartoon Network and whatever CW, not CW, uh, Four Kids and stuff weren't really talking about. Like just the TV show, every once in a while, I would touch upon it. But Static, oh yeah, sorry, Static Shock was the big one. Yeah. So uh, do you want to talk about the uh, cartoon then? Yeah, because I, I didn't really have the luxury to talk to read any of his comic books except for the New Fifty Two book, which wasn't bad. It just wasn't like amazing. Yeah. And I've gone yeah. back and read a couple Static Shock books, but not like you know his big big runs. I think I read the uh, the two thousand one reboot with like the whole not cool or bring cool back. Um, Rebirth of Cool, yeah. Yeah, I think I read that one, but don't quote me on it. I might have, like, skimmed one or two of the issues back in, like, um, a back issue bin somewhere. But I I definitely read the New 52 one. But I didn't really have, like, a huge static shock following besides, like, the TV show when I was a kid because it tied into the Justice League TV show at the time. So he'd cross over, and I was like, who's this character? Go back and watch it. And then Jon Stewart showed up a lot because Jon Stewart was, like, his mentor. Yes. So I know <laughs> they didn't I have know. Black Lightning, so they were like John Stewart. And going wrong, John Stewart's a good mentor, regardless. But like, exactly. we, we know why they made John Stewart show up. He needed a father figure exactly. <laughs> with superpowers. <laughs> I know, which which because he already had, he had his dad. He didn't have his dad with superpowers, and then uh, also uh, Richie got to join the Justice League after a little bit, which I thought was weird because yeah, Richie no. was just I think he went by Gadget or something. And Richie was just yeah, like, I'm yeah. part of the Justice League now. I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're still well, in high school. He, like, which was cool is that he was, uh, like, Richie in the show um, is like a mix between, like, hardware in the comics and Richie, the character from the yeah. comics. In the TV show, it was the white kid. <laughs> he was, like, the one white guy in the entire I mean, show. Besides his family and, uh, like, a couple teachers. Cool. Alternate versions, and I was telling you about the final uh, issue. It was, called, it was called Milestone Forever. That's what it was, the final yes. issue. In 2010, which yeah. I kind of want to find. We probably have it at the store. But um, what was yeah. your experience right. with the so, TV show before you go into your comic book history? Well, uh, the comic book history I kind of covered at the same time. When I was no, doing I mean the like your history, history it's, of it. Oh, my history with the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, that's what I mean. Um, so uh, what's cool about the show is I watched it when it came out. Um, so I. I watched it. was more appropriate for me to watch the show because I was a kid. Yeah, I was a kid also. I'm not that much older than you're you. Like, you're like almost 10 years older than me. Don't pretend. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not that much older <laughs> If than I you. watched it when you were 11, you watched it when you were 21. <laughs> yeah, that's not what it came out, though. Uh, it came out in 2000. The show... No. Yeah, I thought it came out in 2000. I'll double check. You can talk about no. your story. Yeah, anyway. So what's cool about the show, uh, I got to watch it live when it first aired um, on Kids yeah, WB. it came out in 2000. September yeah, I was. 2000. I yeah, was Hunter, three. I'm... Yeah, <laughs> I was like eleven. I watched a lot of the um, the uh, reruns uh, back on. Yeah, when it came on to Cartoon Network and Four Kids. 
Exactly. It lasted until so 2004, cool. too, and it had 52 episodes. That's crazy. It, it's actually really cool. They uh, It's funny. I was watching something uh, yesterday that's talking about the... Uh, I was watching Watch Out Database yeah. uh, on Sunday, and it was really breaking down the entire DCU, um, what you need to read and watch and do all this stuff to you know get the entire Lamar, of it. The Phil Lamar voice is yeah. shocking. He can still do the voice. Yeah, he also is the voice of Green Lantern, John Stewart. And also <laughs> Samurai Jack. Jack. <laughs> uh, and so Aquaman cool in Justice. Yeah, I know. So it was really cool about the show watching growing up. Uh, one, it was watching a hero like that looked like me on screen. Um, it was just a fun kind of uh, show to watch. Um, it, when you found out it was tied to like Justice League and Batman and, and Superman, which I was already watching also, it was really fucking cool. Um, I liked that it felt like its own superhero show. It really did. It felt it like did it have its own feel like all the others. Yeah, it didn't go like it, but because I watched Superman knowing that it was part of a greater DC universe, even though they didn't have to say it because I was already a fan, you knew. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, same thing watching Batman. You know, it's part of a greater DC universe. They can, they don't ever have to reference it, but you know, as a fan, that this is part of something greater. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, with Static, it, it felt so unique, and not just because he was a black lead. It was just because a entirely he was, different show. He, yeah, because he was a teenager doing stupid teenager things and acted like a stupid teenager. And still got just with Justice League. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> But he was just, but he did just stupid teenage thing, and he's just even with, like I said, what makes this so cool is that, and it kind of, it's not a slap of Spider-Man, or, or other or other teenage heroes that came before, uh, around the same time, is that a lot of teenage heroes end up not acting like teenagers. They act like adults with superpowers, you know, more than they just act like stupid teenagers. Like early Spider-Man was like that, and like Miles now, and like all the stuff we we have now. But really, you got to see that watching it with Static was cool because you got to watch it with Static as he grew up on the show. Um, and it wasn't many teenage superheroes that were on TV. Everything was an adult hero doing adult hero things. So it's very hard to be like 11-year-old, 12-year-old, 13-year-old trying to relate to Batman, who's this old dude that has tons of money but puts on a cape and cowl and fights you know, beats up clowns. Mm-hmm. Like... You don't have that relationship. But what's cool about watching Static is, like, he's getting up and going to school and running late and hanging out with his, you know, sister who's annoying him. And and eating nachos. (laughs) Yeah, it's like like stuff that, like, oh, cool, he's a teenager. It's like, oh, I did this. (laughs) Yeah, like, or, like, when you're younger, going, oh, man, I can't wait to be a teenager. Like, oh, that's what my teenage life could be like. Mm -hmm. You know, Mike's in the superpower stuff. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Um, One day. But that's what's best. Yeah, no. Uh, but that's what's so that was so cool about that show. And 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 again, I didn't get to read the comics because I was too young when the book came out. Um, but it's really funny to look back at that now and go, "There's not many teenage superheroes that can lay a groundwork like Sad did." Um, and yes, I know a lot of that's owed to Spider-Man by doing that. But even Spider-Man, when he was a kid, acted more like an adult in his books. Mm. You know. The big thing that with Peter Parker as a teenager was like, yeah, he went to high school and was, but he was bullied because he was a nerd, and it was all the stereotypical things that would happen, you know. And because he was so above average uh, in intelligence, that it's some, 
it, it, it felt like otherworldly. Like it, it definitely felt like you were reading a comic or interacting with a comic book character. Um, with Static was like he wasn't this super brilliant like tech genius. He wasn't like any, he was a nerdy teenager that ended up in some in a bad situation that got superpowers. And what was great is that he didn't change his personality. He didn't become like this super like over the top heroic boy. Like oh man, this is my no. He's like he just did the right thing for doing the right thing. You know, mm-hmm. it was just, it just felt very different, and, and, and it was cool watching it and, and experiencing it when it was coming out live, um, and then seeing him interact with with Batman and and, and Robin in the the crossover episode with uh, uh, Batman the Animated Series, um, and then years later seeing him as a grizzled old man in uh, the finale of Justice League Unlimited uh, with the time tossed uh, the time tossed uh, episodes. It was really cool. So it's it, it really cool seeing all of that um, and making it matter. And it, it, it's what kind of makes his character matter is that he's not one of a kind, but he set the precedent of what most teenage heroes are today. Oh, for sure. I mean, obviously, like, you know, Spider-Man still laid a lot of the groundwork and a lot of, like, Superboy oh, yeah. and Robin. But Static Shock definitely helped a lot, especially with people of color as well. Yeah. I'm saying, I'm I mean, saying this is a yes, white man, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, no, but you're 100% right, but, like, and that's the thing, like, when you look back at, like, Robin or, like, even the Teen Titans uh, in the Silver Age, they weren't just, like, teenagers. It's not like you saw them in school doing school stuff, you know. They were never doing that. They were always out on a mission or whatever, so you never saw them really in a civilian identity mm-hmm. uh, often. And what you did is normally it was, like, right before the action took place type of thing. Exactly. Um where Spider-Man set the groundwork by going, yeah, you could have him in school and then trouble happens and he has to get out of school, you know, type of thing. But where Stack was like, we're going to focus on his actual, like, adolescence and, you know, make that a thing where he's not this very gifted, like, he's not gifted, he's just, a, he's a dude. He's Joe Schmo. Um, and he did break a lot of barriers by being, he wasn't, like, a, a, a character of color that came from a broken home where he's struggling on the streets. Like, he didn't, they didn't do all that. Mm-hmm. You know, his father, I mean, for the cartoon, I can tell you from the cartoon where I know, like, the mother died in the cartoon. The the mother was alive in the comic. Uh, but the mother was um, a nurse. Uh, and she died during one of the early gang wars that happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it does add a little bit more realism. It, it And like you said before, it tackled subjects that normally wouldn't be tackled, you know, they tackled the fact that Richie's dad was a racist. His best friend in the show, is a, his father's a racist, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. When, like, Seeing as his best you know, friend is, uh, is a know. black guy. Yeah. You know? I think they make mention and, of that, too. Um, they do in the show because there's a whole episode about it where he's, yeah. he visits Richie's family for like the first time. Oh, he goes to have dinner with them. It's like that uh, episode of Everybody and, Hates Chris where Greg sleeps over. <laughs> right. It's like, it's, 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 it's cool, you know. It's it's just different, and and I don't know. It's it's hard to put in words because it's like getting to experience it when it was live is cool, but you know, if I got if I went back and and never saw it and watched the show for the first time or read the books for the first time, it's definitely gonna hit differently. Oh. Um, reading the reading the books for the first time going backwards now is really cool. It's because you see how groundbreaking it is talking about the topics they want to talk about in a uh, uh, book where the lead is a teenager, you know, and knowing that behind the scenes they got slack for doing that. 
Yeah, which is insane to think about, especially nowadays. Yeah, exactly. Because they, they got yelled TV. at by corporate basically for you know pushing the boundary of TV and writing and making yeah. something that hits personally to other people rather than just typical white America. Yeah, and it, it, it's crazy when you think about it. It's like it, it's groundbreaking so many levels that it, it's not like it's it's not like a teenage hero has never been done before, but it's a teenage hero done in the vein of a of a teenager. It was actually, I think it's one of the only superhero TV shows that stars a person of color, like, that came out in the, like, early 2000s. Like, mid-2000s had a little bit more, and yes. the 2000s had it a lot as well. Old, it's one, but it's one of the it's only one, ones. It's one of the only ones that stars a person of color. Uh, it's one of the only ones that stars a teenager, also. Yeah. Um, and also that covers besides, a lot of, like, race-related issues in a way that it's easy to understand for not just, you know, people who can relate to it. Of course. And that's what was so good about it. It was never it, – it's it's not – where people would like consider like, oh, man, they will beat you over the head with it. Like nowadays, they're like, oh, you're beating us over the head with it. When mm-hmm. they're not doing that, it just happens to be a subject matter. Um, and I owed a lot of that to like uh, the 90s and early 2000s television in general and early 2000s and, and late 90s writing where you can be like, hey, this is not us beating you over the head with stuff. It just happens to be something like in the comic. Richie just happens to be gay. They don't beat you over the head with it, you yeah. know. He just happens to be a, a gay man in the city that you know, and happens to be Virgil's best friend. You know, yeah. it's all it is. It's, it's not this like we're gonna make this a, a, a thing and you have to show it. Like he's kissing a man all the time. Like <laughs> they didn't do that, yeah. you know. You know, and because it, 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 it was done organically, and it felt again, like I said, what made this thing feel so real. It was real. It was, you know, Richie, you know, it was Virgil dealing with the fact that his best friend was gay. It was dealing with the fact that, you know, gangbangers took over their city, you know, and were making what could be a wonderful place shitty because they're just a-holes, mm-hmm. you know? It, it was, you know, in the cartoon dealing with just being a teenager, trying to pass tests, trying to date, trying to find your, uh, side, your place in life. Uh, and then also your superhero. And also being a superhero, um, which is is so cool to see, and and and, and that's actually what helped birth um, uh, what helped um, Batman Beyond. Also, it was because mm-hmm. um, Terry McGinnis is still kind of a teenager, right? Oh no, no, he is. He's a complete teenager, and this is yeah. and that's why I like Batman Beyond so much at the same time because um, Batman Beyond was never supposed to be a show. It was supposed to be what they wanted. With it's the, like an episode the or two, right? No, 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 not at all. What it was supposed to be was a show. They wanted to do a show about a teenage Bruce Wayne, but they were like, "We, there's no way we can do that and him be Batman. It doesn't make sense." So yeah, look um, at Gotham. He wasn't he exactly. wasn't Batman until like the last season and like the last exactly. three episodes. So what they did was they created Batman Beyond so they could have it, uh, so they could have a teenager, yeah, and that's why they made him like that. his clone DNA or whatever. Even without, even without that, that was later on by, um, oh my god, by Bruce Tim. I, I completely forgot his name uh, for a second. Uh, Bruce Tim just didn't want to do a Bruce, teenage Bruce Wayne. They were like, here, let's make a new Batman for the teenager. Um, but it's really good. Like Again, why I like that? It's the same thing. Being a teenager, well, being a superhero, you know, but I think, I don't know, I can, I can, I can gush all day about Static. Um, so yeah, that's kind of our short take on him. Um, I can go further and more into like 
static as a uh, comic book during his years at the Dakotaverse, and we can go into deeper form of the TV show. I think we'll um, get more into cool, the Dakotaverse kind of stuff when we start talking about Milestone. Yeah, well, Joe, yeah, that's why I want to save that for that uh, purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's cool now is that you can check out uh, Static Shock on HBO Max. The entire series is on there. Oh, it is? Um, yes. Um, I think I think I think it's fully on there, or it's coming soon. It's one of the two. Yeah, because they um, own all the DC properties now, or not yeah. own it, but it's Warner Bros. Uh, exactly. So it's really cool to see that. Um, if you want to check out the the anime series, and if you do want to check out the comic books, I know they might be on um DC Infinity. Uh, Infinity. It's um, DC Universe Infinity or something like that. Yeah, I Very think weird, it's, I convoluted think, way. I think the New 52 stuff is on there. I don't think the Milestone stuff is on there because the Milestone... Also, I'll talk, about, I'll talk about this when we get to the Milestone episode, but there's a legal battle behind the Milestone stuff. Yeah, because technically that, they were creator-owned. Yes, that's why. Mm-hmm. Even though DC bought them out, the characters are still owned by this. Now that DC doesn't use them, the patent probably expired or something. Blah, 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 well, semantics. A, yeah, it had more to do with the fact that... Um, they are part of. They were creator owned, and that moved over to something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all it is. That's one of the big reasons why they don't use them in media anymore or in books. Like Static oh, exactly. should show up in Teen Titans all the time, but he never does. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So before we drone too much on, we'll get back to that when we talk about the milestone stuff because I'm excited to learn about that. I only yeah. know brief amount. I'm also excited to see the Infinite Frontiers milestone, especially if they are going to bring it back, even if it's just a mini series or like an anthology series where each arc covers a different character. And then, of course, we have the Static Shock digital first uh, series that will become a graphic novel uh, in print at some point. So I think that's really cool. Of course. Or it might even uh, become quick, a six issue or something. I don't know. I'm hoping. I just want to down like two more things for Static. Um, you can see him, uh, even though he doesn't have a film to himself yet. Um, they did announce Rumors in twenty twenty that there is that it's going to be there will be a live action static one. Um, uh, let's see, he has a video game out for um, based on the cartoon show for game that came out in two thousand three for Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was he's a playable character in, in Justice Gods Among Us. Um, he was a po- he, were, he was supposed to be in Injustice 2, and you can actually find the character design and character models online for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was uh, taken out, and he, he's in um, DC Universe Online. He's actually part of Legion in that uh, game. That's cool. Yeah, I, I, when they did the Legion DLC, I, of course, got it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I mean, I'm a member of that game. I've been a member since year one. Um, but they... Uh, Yes, it was funny seeing Static and seeing uh, it was Static, Supergirl, someone else. I was like, none of you make sense here. <laughs> Maybe Supergirl, except for only Supergirl made sense. Yeah, because so yeah, guys, that Supergirl. was our topic. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, guys, that was a topic uh, for today. Um, in our podcast, you we will do more stuff as years go on and other stuff. If you want to check out all the stuff that we talked about, HBO Max has a bunch of stuff. DC Universe Infinity has a bunch of stuff. Check those out for more static stuff. Talk to me and Hunter. We will gladly talk to you about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and also in honor of Black History Month, which is really cool, um, the Hero Out will just do our store book uh, first. 
Um, I don't really think it's an honor of Black History Month. I think the first story just happens to be about a black character. It's but true. Marvel is I doing know. the Black History Month variant covers, which is really cool. Yes, that they're doing that, and they're doing Marvel Voices Legacy. Yeah. Uh, um, that's going to be. I think that comes out next week. Actually, that's not just uh, black characters though. That's a bunch of um, no people uh, POC characters. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so we'll do our story book first, and then we'll go backwards, um, because what's cool about this, since we are on DC Kick, and we are talking about black characters, we might as well talk about this. Um, we covered Truth and Justice. You guys, again, full spoilers for the story book. Um, Truth and Justice is a digital first book, so if you don't get a chance to pick it up, um, at a local comic shop, uh, please read it online legally, uh, from DC's... Infinity nonsense, whatever. Yeah, and um, also Comicsology, I believe. The first uh, three chapters are the issue we're going to be covering. Yeah, it's the Vixen um, story. Yeah, so Truth and Justice is. I'm calling it Truth and Justice. I that's why I'm thinking. That's what I think. Oh yeah, it is. I see the. Amp it's called Truth and Justice. I, I could, yeah, it's the amp. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't see the amp stand. Mm. Right, so what's cool about Truth and Justice is going to be an anthology series. The first couple issues deals with Vixen. Um, and then I think the next arc is about Superman. Um, like I said, it's digital mm-hmm. first book. Um, the first arc deals with Vixen and her fighting a pantheon of gods. Um, actually, technically, African gods. Um, like I said, full spoiler alert, it opens up very, as much as a cold open in um, Central Africa, where a character I'd never seen before shows up. Yeah, I think his name is Impala. Yes, he is. It's name of the Ram. Um, mm-hmm. And then it cuts to Cape Town, South Africa, where Vixen. Uh, oh, what's she, she's what's modeling. Real, what's her real name? I'm forgetting her actual like not Vixen name. I have no I know idea. her last name is McCabe. I forget her first name. Yeah, I'm not really a follower of Vixen, so I really don't know anything about what's... her too much. But this story was good regardless. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out her name anyway. So what's cool about Vixen? She is a model, uh, and a lot of I forget about that. that. <laughs> and also, uh, damn, <laughs> I know this issue does a good and... job highlighting it. <laughs> I know, yeah, right. Uh, she's met by Impala, uh, who's calling upon her. Um, He's like the Flash character. Is... Yeah, kind of. He fast. Well, yeah. Um, so she has to she has to leave her actual uh, photo shoot uh, in order to help Impala. Um, Go against uh, a character who's has taking the taking the powers of seven other gods. Yes, um, which is also really cool because when she uses her powers, you can actually see them. Yeah, they're doing a better job at actually showing you what she's doing rather than just flying around. Yeah, it's really cool. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. So as Apollo and uh, Vixen show up, they have to go against. Um, I don't even know. It's Krieg. Craig, I want to see. I want to call his name Craig. Craig, it's K R E G. Craig. Craig, thank you. Um, she uh she actually has to fight Craig, who has the abilities of the other gods of Pantheon. Uh, which is really cool about this because the other gods are shaped uh in the form of Justice League. That's cool. Which is really cool. There's a whole splash page about that. Yeah, it's a cool design. You actually don't see them; they're all in shadows, but you can see like that's Hawkgirl, that's supposed to be Batman, that's Superman, mm-hmm. that's Wonder Woman. Um. You see them later on in their actual forms, some of them, uh, which are really cool. Uh, the, I do want to see what the Batman one looks like, um, but it's really cool that they actually beat him, uh, but it's a step for a bigger uh, mystery going forward, 
where after they defeat him and were able to steal uh, some of his relics back, um, it sets up for a kind of a bigger mystery where a new goddess has come into the DC universe. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish kind of that this tied into Nubia. That would have been interesting Um, because she's supposed to be fighting a pantheon of gods in her backup story. That's the only reason why I say that because Mm -hmm. I definitely want to see, um, I really wanted this to connect. That's why I was, I was looking through it the entire time trying to see this. Yeah, we'll probably also um, see Yara Floor fight her own pantheon of characters in her um, Wonder Girl book. Of course. Um, which is really cool how the book, uh, what happens in the book is, I won't spoil the complete ending, um, but this is a bigger setup for the rest of this Truth and Justice uh, anthology for a little bit, uh, focusing on Vixen. Um, it does look like it's going to be like a three-issue miniseries. Um, and because my no problem with three-issue miniseries is that you only only have three issues to tell a story, but this feels like it's a full, not only just a full setup, um, it feels like if this ended as a one-shot, it still felt like a good I think it's technically considered a one-shot. I think issue two is going to be focusing on Superman, because the first three issues digitally are the chapters that tie into Vixen, and issue two... But chapter four is the Superman story. So I think it's a six-issue miniseries that each focuses on a different character. That's what I think it is. It could be a three-issue miniseries as well. But still, it's really cool. Uh, Vixen one-shot is good. The last time she really showed up, besides like a crossover, was in Justice League of America. And she didn't really have that much time to shine. She didn't have her own story arc. So Exactly. Uh, I like this issue a lot, Um, even though it's told very quickly. um, I do like the fact that it does focus on Vixen. It is... It is very new reader friendly mm-hmm. in a sense where, even because all those other characters were either bit characters or side characters to her greater story, uh, be in the DCU. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this, like, all right, cool, you got who she is. Like, she's a model. These are power sets. Let's go watch her go fight. You know, a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really cool just to see like a basic superhero book. And it's not. I don't mean basic in a bad way. It's just cool to see that by going. Yeah, it's done well. When it's done well, it's done well. And it's really done well here. Um, I like the art a lot. Um, I like the new suit that they gave her, where it's like... Oh, it's yeah, right at the end. Yeah, it looks more like just like a limited suit mm-hmm. uh, without the deep, plunging V-neck line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also do, like I said uh, before, I do like the fact that when she uses her animal abilities, you actually see the traits that she's taking of the animal yeah, instead like the, of just the wings her... that appear behind her or like the ram horns right. that she has or something like that. Yeah. Right. Does a very good job visually. I think that's just the artist though. Their rendition. Yes, that is the artist. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's no, it's not a normal thing that you would see. Cause like even with, um, animal man, you don't see that. You just mm-hmm. see like the power real quick and then like them using it. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, they just have super strength. No, it's because they have the power of an elephant currently, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. Oh no! So yeah, I like it. I, I'm giving it. Uh, I, I like to say I don't know if this is a one shot or not. I um, believe it's technically a one shot. But now that you said it, I I think I remember seeing in the other solicitations the next one is Superman, and I was just like, oh okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So either way, I'm giving it like a four out of five. Like the only reason why I'm not giving it a five out of five, um, is because it if it is a one shot, um, it's a cool way to end it off, but. 
they definitely imply there's a lot more. Yeah, it says end um, question mark. So that always means right, that like, that story is going to pick up somewhere else, whether it's going to be in a Vixen miniseries or if it's going to be in another digital, um, a digital first book or something. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. With with yeah. Frontiers coming out, they could easily put Viction in like a Justice League team and then continue that story. Like I'm surprised, you know how Justice League Odyssey came out and it was like Space Justice League. I think they should yeah. do Justice League. Like I know Justice League Dark kind of covers this, but I think they should do like Justice League Mythic. Don't call it that, but like, it's, right. but you know how Wonder Woman running Justice League Dark. I think Wonder Woman should leave that one, hop into Justice League Mythic, like Mythos or whatever, and then do yeah. like you know it's her it's vixen it's you know uh even etrigan i know he's a dark character but he still deals with like demons and mythos and stuff like characters that yeah. deal with more mythological yeah. characters and that would be kind of cool yeah Maybe yeah and issue. i think uh <laughs> i know right um but yeah no um what do you think of the book I thought, I, was, on. I thought it was really good i really like seeing vixen again show up in a story i forgot she was a model um I really don't know that much about Vixen. Last time I read her was in Justice League of America, and they really don't talk much about her. At that point, I thought she was a secret agent. I was like, what the fuck? I know she's part of the Justice League, <laughs> but like, I thought she was like a spy. I was like, what's happening? Uh, and that's not a gripe to Orlando. I think that's just people don't know how to write Vixen because she doesn't pop up in enough. And I knew her from the TV shows and stuff. But um, yeah. you know, it's cool to see the visual representation of her powers. The story is cool, and I do want it to continue. But I and I can't really give it a perfect score because I'm not really a fan of one shot stories that leave you with end question marks. And there's a huge opportunity, a huge chance that they're not going to do anything. So I'm not, I'm probably exactly. going to give it a no, four as well. It's really well written. The digital first style works for what it's worth, um, and the art's phenomenal. So I'm definitely going to give it a four. It's a awesome. Solid re- it's a solid read for a character that doesn't get enough spotlight. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to hop so, into yeah. uh, my book right quick. Yeah, do yours. I read yeah, the new yours. Vault comic, Hollow Heart, written by Paul Allure and with art by Paul Tucker. It is a, a queer monster love story. It's literally what it says on the back. Oh, okay. So That's fair. So this, um, this robot dude, it, it, it opens up with a cold open where this robot is trying to escape um, his prison, well, this facility he's in, and then he gets electrocuted and damaged and this mechanic, Mateo, has to come fix him. So it's about this uh, robot named L yeah, who used to be human and he has like these organs inside of his body and he's trying to like, you know, he, he misses his old life essentially from what you can tell through context and uh, he's not right. treated with like any respect to... and then he meets this character named Mateo who is this mechanic who's able to fix him and, you know, talk to him and like treats him like an actual human being um, and it turns out that um, L has this, uh, that's the robot's name, he has this... Um, tether that is tied to the facility he's in that well if he leaves for more than like five minutes he'll die so mateo is planning on um releasing l from this facility and that is what the story is going to be it's going to be this robot is like oh this person treats me with respect uh they're probably going to fall in love besides it being called a queer monster love story probably going to fall in love with mateo mateo is also a gay character and it's going to be a nice little like Think Shape of Water, but uh, sci-fi instead of like horror. It's gonna be this uh, th- this love story that tells like an escape story. So I think it's gonna be cool. I really like the art. Um, uh, it's not everyone's cup of tea. Like when I first picked it up, I was like, I'm not really into this artwork. But as you're reading through it, you're like, okay, I see where they're going for this. The rough pencils. It comes off as a very like horror story, but it's actually not a horror story. 
So I'm excited to see where they're going with this. I wish the robot suit didn't look so fucking cool. Like, when you flip through, you're like, man. Because, like, it doesn't match with what they're, I think, what they're trying to tell. Like, this, it's a giant robot suit with this, like, human organs and skull in it. And then, like, it's also a love story. And I get that they want to say, like, you know, monsters are gross, but then they have feelings. But, like, the robot suit's just so cool. It looks like it wants to, like, turn into a giant Megazord and fight uh, in Angel Grove. So I hate that it looks so damn cool, and I mean, it's unfortunate that they're probably not going to do anything crazy action-heavy with it, because it looks like you could rock someone. It looks like yeah. a juggernaut. But uh, oh, geez. You know, yeah, so I'm I'm a big fan of the writing style too. It it, it has this like poetic uh, the speech bubbles are like poetic in a sense, where they're yeah. where it's like a, it's a narrator, not like a character. It's a actual like person narrating like what's going on and what people are feeling and stuff like that. So that's really cool and creative. I haven't seen that in a while, and um, it, it, it's just got this, like, air of mystery to it, even though you know, like, Mateo is going to try to free L. Yeah, like, uh, that's cool. I like that. That yeah. sounds actually really cool. The way you described it to me the first when we were in the store, uh, not like that at all. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> uh, not at all. But um, um, overall, though, it is, I, no, it is similar. similar. Uh, you know why I said that. I know why you said it. You read read the book. Yeah, there's a scene in it where Um, I can see where you got that inference from for not reading it yourself. But, uh, yeah, it's also a story about um, two humans. There's this uh, character who I forget his name because I don't think they say it, but he's like the antagonist in quotes. And he has his own uh, Thomas. No, no, Thomas is um, someone that Mateo hooks up with. (laughs) Yeah, Donnie is the uh, character that... um, is like the quote unquote antagonist. He's the one that hurts L at the beginning. He has his own like um, story he's going to get through, which I think is going to be pretty cool. He uh, seems to like hate himself in a way. I think it's because he's gay, and it was probably like raised in him to not be like gay from his father or something. Because uh, they make mention that him and Mateo went on a date once, and it was only once, and it was years ago. And then Mateo storms off into the bathroom. Uh, not Mateo. Um, Donnie storms off into the bathroom and starts crying, and I'm like. Okay, there's something going on with Donnie that we need to figure out. <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited to see where this goes. The cover art is also phenomenal. So if you see this on the the, the um the wall, it technically if you see it on the wall, I definitely recommend picking it up. It's a really nice, fun book. It's not like heavy yet. I feel the tears coming soon. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, heavy is the heart. <laughs> heavy is the hollow heart. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, um, I can't give oh, it a God. perfect. I can't. I can't give it a perfect score though, because unfortunately the art is subjective. Right. I personally like it. I can see where people won't like it. There's some like shadows that aren't right. done properly, and some of the um, the cross hatching isn't up to par with some people that I, I like. I've just seen like, nope, they won't like this. But you know, so the art is subjective on that one. I personally like it. I also like Riley Rosmo, and I know a lot of people do not like Riley Rosmo, so. Okay. You know, it is what it is. So I'm probably going to give this book a... I'm probably giving this book a four. The art is subjective. I like it personally, but I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. The storytelling is a bit jumbled up at the beginning, but then it catches itself near the last couple pages because they're trying to introduce you to all the characters and set up the initial problem of this. I believe this is a miniseries. It's set up like a miniseries, but I have no idea if it is. So it's probably like a five or six issue miniseries, (laughs) knowing Vault. So uh, I would definitely recommend checking this out. If you see it, pick it up. Give it a chance. You know, so that's uh that's my piece on Hollow Heart from Vault. 
James, awesome. what did you read this week? I mean, I know what you read, but what did you read this week? Well, yeah. <laughs> So guys, of course you guys know I was talking about this a while back. I read X Men Legends number one um, from Marvel Comics, uh, written by Favorite Nietzsche, uh, and art by Brett Booth. Uh, Inker was a uh, Corona. It's like a gear hero is the colorist. It's like a a, a, a smorgasbord of like my favorite people. That's, that's like an uh, all star cast. <laughs> yeah, um, which is really cool. It does have an editor's note. This story takes place. After X Men 1991, number 39. So it tells you exactly in the time when this book takes place. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what's great about this book? It opens up with uh, the Shi'ar Empire um, going after actually just a hospital in um, Tankridge, Alaska. Sorry, I could not remember. Um, while that's going on, Cyclops and Havoc are um, near the uh, mansion. Uh, the Xavier Institute. Uh, well, they also get attacked by the Shi'ar. Xavier then sends the two of them up to Anchorage, Alaska to figure out what's going on and why they got a call. Mm-hmm. And it was in the language of the Shi'ar. So tracking down, they, they're tracking down someone called the Forsaken One. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Forsaken One, uh, it's not our told, but you, we clearly know it's going to be Adam X. Um, oh, yeah. His entire backstory is told uh, in this uh, issue leading up to um, him meeting up with Cable. While he's on a farm, uh, just trying to find some inner peace. Um, and there's a religious cult that's hunting him down. Mm-hmm. What's so great about this? The Shi'ar, they come after him along with the Star Jammers. Hell yeah. Um, and then there's a big reveal at the end, which uh, will spoil the book. Uh, I mean, honestly, you could probably spoil this me. one because you know how the uh, storyline's supposed yeah, to play out. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but exactly. I didn't see. So, uh, I, thought, uh, I, know, I, I, I didn't see that coming exactly how it played out. I was like, "Oh, this is interesting." Yeah, I, just, I didn't think it was gonna play out that way at all. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, at all, I mm-hmm. wanted someone else to be in the issue, um, but they're not there cough, yet. Cough gambit. Um, cough. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> um, but what's really cool about it is setting up the, to resolve the question of who, quote unquote, who's the third summer's brother, even though that was answered in Deadly Genesis. Uh, years later, um, this does add uh, some. Yeah, this, it's when they say brothers, um, it never was to say. Everyone just assumed there was only a third one. Never that there was could be more than one, which makes sense. Um, this well, one does know one is like kind of DNA related. So, well, we know. Well, no, we know Vulcan is uh, Corsair's yeah, I, I, for, I forgot child. about Vulcan. That was. Yeah, Vulcan is actually a child that was ripped out of Catherine mm-hmm. and incubated a uh, 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 Chandelar, um, which makes sense. That's mm-hmm. fine. Um, they go into detail backstory a little bit, um, and that you know how he may or may not be one of Summers' brothers in this mm-hmm. issue. Um, but the story is supposed to resolve that question whether or not he himself is a Summers' brother. Yeah, um, cool. But yes, the story is actually in canon. Um, it, so it matters. It actually matters. Yeah, it's more um, lighthearted. I do like the Earth. the Hickman stuff, right? No, it's super action packed. Um, well, I mean, lighthearted as in like it's uh, not like uh, bogged down with work with um with infographs and complicated plot lines and mysterious culty um, X Men. <laughs> nope, it's not. It's not John. It's it's clearly not written by John Hickman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like I said. Um, it was so cool. What I do like about this a lot is that you can read this 
if you have if you are trying to get back into X-Men after a while, this is a cool book to jump into because it is mm-hmm. canon. Um, or if you want to take a break uh, from John Hickman's like mega um, like kind of symphony of X-Men he's telling right now. Yeah, his big old um, plan. You know, this is a cool way to get into X-Men again. Um, I'm definitely giving it a five out of five. Um, <laughs> the art, the art, our team is just killer alone. Oh, dude, um, I love Brett Booth. He's one of my favorite um, Flash artists ever. Him and Francis Manipal. I Manipur. have. Uh, oh yeah, dude, it's awesome. Like I love Brett Booth. Mm-hmm. His art's phenomenal, and then having Gira Guru and uh, also Corona on that is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like Nietzsche uh, wrote it. Nietzsche and so. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like, oh, it's not like uh, Rob Life. It's not like the, I would have laughed if they did uh, him and uh, Liefeld doing it. I would have <laughs> laughed. I also would have thrown that book out, oh, but I would laugh. Um, but it's really cool. Like I said, it's one the one major thing I do like about it is that it does kind of answer a question that was left over over about Adam X. Mm-hmm. Um, how it plays out, though, uh, it it's, it definitely feels like it's one way, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's for somewhere in it. Oh yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised either. Like, it's it's probably it, like it, it, uh, it's too it's 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 too clean. That's yeah, what it is. It's way the too, like, too obvious. clean in the book because they give you the answer. They outright yeah. give you the answer in the book. Like, mm-hmm. and this is the first issue. issue. Yeah, right. Um, it's obviously and that's more complicated so than that. <laughs> right, and that's the whole thing. Like, I, it, it's it's what's so cool about it is that you know there has to be more to this. Mm-hmm. It can't just be like, and this is happening, and then whatever next, you know. Because mm-hmm. this, is, this, but also remember, this is only three issues. This is only three issues long. Yeah. Um, which is fine. Uh, because this is the X Men Legends itself is an anthology series answering old questions that haven't been answered before, mm-hmm. um, and are all canon. So I definitely want to see where this goes and what kind of ramifications we will have going forward in the X Men books. Um. But yeah, I I love it. It's awesome. I think a lot of this is cool for those who have it, who who miss old school X Men stuff. Um, oh yeah, it's good. I love it. I love it as an X Men fan. Um, I love it as a Marvel fan. Mm-hmm. I, I always like when they go back and do old school stories over again. And like, it's not like not not, not to wreck on them, but to like you know, to touch upon the to, to um right exactly. So yeah, I'm giving it. I'm giving it a five out of five. Done. Nice. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Big old X Men man. Yeah, like that. Of course. Yeah. All right, so James, wrap you want to close us out? Absolutely. Nice. Want to have it open? Nope. Actually, wait. <laughs> I always do. I do this every episode. I put my phone away that has a script on it, and I'm just like yeah. talking. Like, oh, I'm taking my phone out again. All right, guys. Thanks for listening uh, to the episode. You can head over to our website, AndrewsComics.com, to check out this week's previews and new releases. Check us out uh, every Tuesday for our live stream on Facebook, our Androids, uh, our, our Androids Amazing Comics on Facebook. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Androids underscore comics, the podcast Instagram, Androids Amazing Podcast, and Twitter, Androids Comics, for up-to-date, uh, for up-to-date news and uh, reviews. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. And as always, support your local comic shop, and have a nice day. Bye-bye. See you guys.